everyone, this is Veronica with Horsemanship Unlocked, an equine education and entertainment company with the motto that the horse already possesses all the natural skills and behaviors we so desire. Through the study of applied learning theory and relationship building, we can unlock the horse's highest potential. Join us as we explore the ins and outs of the equine entertainment industry, explain training methodology, share experiences in horsemanship, and much more. And don't forget to check out our website, Facebook, and Instagram for the latest and greatest news, updates, online lectures, and clinic and performance schedules. See you there! Hello everyone! I know it's been a while, but I'm back, at least for today. <laughs> taking it one day at a time. So happy new year. Um, happy Capricorn new moon. It's January in the Midwest, so trying to rest up, take it easy, hoping you guys are doing the same and getting some good horsemanship in at the same time. If anyone needs suggestions on what to do in the winter, I can certainly talk about that at a later date. Um probably sooner than later as everyone would probably need it right now but we're up here in Minnesota um no indoor arena either so we're doing groundwork a lot going on the trails enjoying the snow and enjoying the slowdown um it has been a while since I've been on the air but I've been feeling the urge to talk about the certain topic although today I'm pretty it's a new moon. I'm I'm fairly tired, but I have the time to talk today, so I'm going to talk today, although I haven't been as prepped and fired up about it. Um but maybe that's that's probably better. Um what I want to talk to you guys about today is a topic that is very near and dear to my heart just because um it's something I see a lot. It's something I've grown up being around. And if you are a very sensitive person like I am, perhaps you have too, depending on where you did your horsemanship, where you learned. But I wanted to talk about the whole idea behind an equal relationship. <laughs> we have a very lazy girl joining me today, so we might hear some grumbles on the audio. Um, that was my dog. If you were, if you're not watching the video, that was my dog. We'll see if the audio picked up her her yawns. Um, to back back to the podcast today, I wanted to talk about relationships with our horse. Obviously, that is why we're all here. We all, most of us, had the idea of that black stallion relationship, wanting a friendship with the horse. Didn't know what we were getting into when we started. Got into something that didn't look quite like the movies. Didn't come across like the books you grew up reading and then you enter the industry where people are trying to earn a living make money and instead of an equal partnership that you imagine there's this theme in the horse world of this man versus beast mentality that's what I'm going to call it man versus beast instead of an equal partnership a two-way communication. It's this, I am the human, you are the horse, I am on your back, I must dominate over you and you must do what I say. So let's talk about that because, well, first I want to talk about my experience. I 
entered the horse industry at a young age, just once a week riding lessons. Um, I'm from the suburbs of a big city. So generally the stables that were closest to the suburbs were trying to stay on their land and it was expensive and they were busy stables. It wasn't private, lots of space in the middle of nowhere kind of environment. It was go, 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 lessons, 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 money, 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 income, income, income. One of their big money makers, aside from boarding and lessons and showing, was bringing in auction horses. And, you know, I'm going to air quote, say, training them and potentially putting them in their riding school or selling them. What I learned later when I eventually got into natural horsemanship, um, and I have my opinions <laughs> and my experience with that, but let me tell you that opening the doors to natural horsemanship was this enlightening, beautiful thing where I finally felt like I was closer to that black stallion type of relationship with the animal than what I grew up with. This stable, and I'm not going to call anyone out, I'm, I, <laughs> what, I what I'm choosing to talk about today, maybe that's why I'm tired, is going to shake some people. But I'm at the point that I don't care. I don't want to, I'm not trying to draw sides. I'm not trying to point fingers. But we live in a very, we live on earth where everything is dualistic. There's good, there's bad, there's light, there's dark, there's right and there's wrong. And we are moving through this world and we are moving through this environment. And we are moving through this industry saying, oh, this is not good. This is, you know, yielding results that are inhumane or they're a little, even if they just like give you a little yucky feeling when you walk away from a lesson or a training or watching someone ride their horse and then you use that to learn and compare, well, what is good? What does feel right? What's going to make me feel like <laughs> I'm not creating bad karma, but I'm doing some healing and these horses are doing some healing. That's where I'm at. I want to help people. I want to heal people. I want to help horses. I want to heal horses. And the only way to know what's good and what's helpful is to know what's bad and what's not helpful. And I'm not saying bad is bad. I'm not trying to create enemies here. Um, I'm just using my experience to show you where I have been led. And I'm trying to inspire others and relate to others who are on a similar path. And I do believe that the path I am taking is helping, is helping things for the better. Okay, <laughs> so little side note, not trying to cause any war here, um, but I also, I, I'm not choosing sides, I'm treading lightly and I'm going with the third option. I'm going with, you know, I don't want to be on this team or on, on this team either. I'm I'm going this way and... Let's talk about it. So man versus beast kind of mentality. The stable that I was kind of raised in for the beginning of my career with horses or my learning with horses brought a lot of horses in from auction. And instead of taking the tools or ever being approached with, this is how a horse thinks. This is how a horse is by nature. This is some of the science. This is some of the cognition. And this is what we can do. It was just get on and go. Smack, smack, smack. Pull, pull, pull. Get them going. Show them who's boss. 
and, and now we have this kind of society of these little girls and boys and you know non-binary kids we have a, we have a society of people and a lot of them trained from a young age who wanted to come in with my little pony dreams now quoting all the time show them who's boss and it i want to talk about where does this stem from how it affects the horses and how it affects people too so let's talk about relationships for a second because when you work with a horse you ride a horse it's not a car it's not a piece of machinery though some religions may say so and i am it's so old school and not progressive and not moving forward and it's something called you know speciesism which is a huge thing that humanity probably will not tackle for centuries and centuries and centuries but we're we're headed in that direction where you're a human species therefore you are so much higher than everybody else who said that we said that humans said that where did they get that from so there tends to be this in the horse world of course and let's not forget that horses have no agency they don't get to say you know what they want to do where they want to be what people they want to work with if they want to go for a ride that day we decide everything if you're going in the stall if you're going outside if you're going out for a one-hour lesson if you're going out for two trail rides back to back all day there's no agency here okay and i realized that it we also don't live in utopia i cannot set my horses free if i set my horses free there's a busy road right here they could get hit They'll get picked up by somebody potentially who will probably not treat them as well as I will. So I'm in this, I'm in this gray area in this period of time on this timeline where I have to do the best that I can. And I kind of think of it as nurturing and, and supplying for the babies. You know, the research shows us, and I, I should cite this, I can't find this, but Alexander Nazarov, which is an extremist, if you're interested in the history we have with horses, and it's a gruesome one, you know, what we've done in riding into battle, his book, The Horse Crucified and Risen, will change you. <laughs> um, it changed me, and then I had to try to find a balance, and a lot of it I, I take with me. A lot of it has determined some of the factors um, with my riding. Like, I don't ride or do lessons for more than 20, 30 minutes. When I do my summer camps, we have this rotation. And if you're with me for an hour rotation in that hour, that includes going out. Well, first of all, working on the barrel, working on the tricks, what we need to do, then coming out with me to the field, grabbing the horses, grooming them. By the time that's all said and done, my students are on the horses for 20, 30 minutes tops. And then it's time to, you know, untack them and put them back because he has some research of a horse's back going numb after about 20, 30 minutes with a saddle on. Um, because surprise, surprise, uh, I don't know if you knew this, but horses weren't born 
designed to carry weight for a long period of time. So imagine crossing your legs for a while and eventually your leg goes numb because you are cutting off the blood flow. That happens. But nobody wants to face that. I mean, I'm, I don't, I can't say nobody. Just know that I'm generally speaking, trying to get a point across. And I tend to put my emotions into what I'm saying, which could be good or bad. I'm very good at expressing my emotions, but emotions generally come before thoughts. So again, I, I'm not trying to offend anyone, but people who come across this information often turn a blind eye because that changes their agenda. If you grew up wanting to ride, wanting to show, having these dreams, buying the barn, buying the horses, buying that saddle, and then I tell you, hey, you got about 20, 30 minutes before you start doing damage to your horse's tissues in their back, and I will put this book in the sightings on the notes, and then if you're watching the video, I'm going to throw a picture of that book up there for you. Um, that changes people's dreams and agenda. And they would have been better off, ignorant, not knowing what they now know. But it's 2024. Ignorance isn't going to help you anymore. If you haven't seen the world news, there's no turning a blind eye anymore. Everything's getting revealed. And this is not... A lot of people are saying, you know, oh, the when can we go back to what we were? When can we go back to normal? This world is going crazy. All that stuff was there. All that stuff was already there. It was already happening behind the scenes. But now it's coming forward. So I'm holding horse owners and trainers accountable. Because once you know something, you can't hide from it anymore. We need to take in new information and change and adjust. And this is why I want to talk about this topic, this man versus beast mentality, because I get it. I was raised in a stable where we brought the horses in from auction. Nobody taught me until I was in my 20s learning from a, a really awesome lady um, down at college who learned from, you know, the Pirelli program. And I jumped into it, too. I'm not trying to sell any program. I'm not selling the Pirelli program at all. Um, but that program did teach me to teach a horse to have a mouth. And now my horses don't need bridles. You can sit back, exhale, say, whoa, and they stop. That's not how I was raised. That's not what I was taught when I was a kid. So it was just pull, 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 smack, smack, smack ride, 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 and show them who's boss. Where does this man versus beast mentality come from? And why is this still appropriate and moving forward in the industry? Where, where is the authority on this? Because it's generally coming not from people who went to school for equine science. It's not coming from people who, you know, went grand prix and is making money it's coming from i don't know but even within the self it's coming from something deeper something that i like to talk about and i like to think about often is how sensitive horses are okay so as you may know or you may not know 
horses are extremely sensitive, some more than others. Okay. There was, I have my notes here. There was a study done by Linda Keeling in 2009, who's a veterinary PhD researcher, that they measured the heart rates of humans and horses. So they had pair in this study, they had pairs of humans and horses that they put heart rate monitors on and they just said, okay, walk, walk down in the indoor arena, walk back, and they measured heart rates. They told the humans that on your next round, someone's going to be standing there opening an umbrella. If you're a horse person, you know what that means. Um, but nobody, they got bamboozled. Nobody opened the umbrella. However, just with the anticipation, oh my God, is my horse going to spook? Their heart rates were up on that walk. No umbrella opened, but the heart rates of the horses were also higher. So the horses were sensing the raised heart rate, the anticipation, the nervousness from the handlers, and then also raised their heart rate and their nerves and their anticipation. And I probably didn't even need to tell you about that study. You, you may have already known that. However, I have a biology degree. I'm a researcher at heart. You know, I don't like pulling theory out of thin air. I like to stay open, find the research, and then, for you know, change my hypothesis based on the research. So that was just trying to give um, you an idea to, yes, uh, confirm these beliefs or these experiences you may have had. Um, and then there was also a study from the University of Sussex where they had horses look at pictures of people and their conclusion was is that horses could distinguish um, the cues in the facial expressions of just photos of people. They could tell from someone's posture or emotional, you know, awareness on their face if they looked mad or, or sad or happy. The horses would respond to even just photos. So yeah, they're a being, they're alive, they can read you, they can sense your emotions. And it's 2024, you know, <laughs> if you're a millennial like me, it's a hard knock world out there. And our energy and, and a lot of stuff is being revealed to us, including, you know, what we bring into the ring. I believe it's important for people to not be angry, to not be nervous, to not be upset when they go work with a horse, because that's where that man versus beast mentality comes from, is this inner anger. And if you can't hash that out at home, don't you dare bring it to the barn because it's just not fair. In the past, when I didn't know better, and I would you know, get that man versus beast, like, no, I told you to trot and you're going to trot. I would walk away feeling yucky. I was taught to be the boss. I was taught to end on a good note. I was taught to have the final say and that horse needed to shut up and do it. But then I would just go home and feel kind of gross, feel kind of yucky. And then, you know, <laughs> But I, but I was patted on the back for it by my trainers, by my peers. And then just time goes on and more experiences like that until it got to a point where 
you know, going into the circus industry, I did witness straight up abuse. And I'm like this and it, and it all stemmed from that man versus beast mentality. And it felt so yucky that I knew this, ha this is not the way to go. And that I would find alternatives to working with horses. And now I'm going to spread awareness about alternatives to working with horses. If you've been following me for a while, you know that I like positive reinforcement. I've used the clicker. I like liberty training. I, I don't go out for long rides anymore. And I had to adjust. I had to change the dream based on the information I was getting and based off of the emotions that were changing, okay? And everyone can adjust too, because that's where that man versus beast thing comes from, is this anger and this anger coming from control, and that control is coming from an attachment to an outcome. That's the big idea here, that attachment to an outcome. So if I go in that show ring and I'm like, we need to get through this cross-country course and I don't care if I have to beat you over that jump. There's an attachment to an outcome that the horse is very obviously disagreeing with. And the idea of evolving as a spirit, as a soul, is practicing non-attachment, not being attached to an outcome. And surrendering and realizing you don't have control. Look at that horse. It's a 1,200-pound animal. And we for centuries feel like we need to dominate over it but you can be with your horse by practicing this non-attachment you can have calmer quieter experiences that make your horse feel more comfortable and when they're feeling more comfortable they want to be with you more and when they want to be with you more they want to show off and perform and express and then you can see those people doing their horses are just bridalists doing pee off in the middle of a field because that horse feels so good around that human who feels so good who's not forcing that horse to do anything so he just with joy is saying here you go here's my best pee off because horses do it you know i called my business horsemanship unlocked because i really don't believe that we are ever training a horse you're unlocking their behaviors and their potential because the horses don't need us to do all the things that we think we train them to do. Have you ever seen a horse get down on its knees and bow to graze on the other side of the fence? <laughs> yeah, it already knows how to do it. Um, we just get in the way. We start taking away their agency and their voice. And then, you know, we put a claim on it. We put a flag on that mountain and said, look what I taught this horse. No, look at what you forced that horse to do. The horse already knew how to do it. Anyways, I'm going here on a tangent, but we have, I'm not, we have an industry where there's a lot of money around competition and competition means that you need to see results. And when you need to see results, you have an attachment to an outcome. I'm not trying to say that the industry is bad, but the attachment to the industry is not great. There are so many things you can do with your horse. Go explore something and go on this journey with your horse and discover something else you never even knew you could do. When you are attached to the outcome, 
that's when people start pushing their animals, start selling them, buying new ones, not making a commitment to that relationship, to that other soul. When I bought Scout off the racetrack and I was into eventing, I took him to get a pre-purchase exam because I wanted to event. But within a week of being with that horse, I loved him. And my mom loved him. And we were both nervous for his pre-purchase exam because at that point, I couldn't imagine myself returning him. So I lost the attachment to that sport. And I said, I hope we can event. But if we don't, we'll find something else to do. And we did. And where that led me, well, his actually pre-purchase exam was fine. Later on, developed issues. And I kind of strayed away from the sport anyways. I love eventing. Nothing against it. it. Circumstances of life. And I was led to somewhere even better in my mind. Isn't that interesting when life, when that happens to you, when you finally let go, you you have this vision and you got to get there and you're attached to it and you got to fight. And when, when life starts taking you by the hand and going, oh, actually, we're going to go this way, but you fight it and you fight it some more. And then it's like, get in the car. We're going this way. And you're kicking and screaming until it's a heist. And then things get ripped away from you in a painful matter because you couldn't just let it go. All of a sudden you get in this car and you start going to the unknown. And once you get there, you're like, oh my God, I end up, I ended up in a place that was better. Having the relationship with the animal from a genuine heartfelt place with their welfare, their emotional state, their physical state, their mental state as your priority in mind, will always guide you to a better place. Because the more that you push and the more that you get attached to an outcome and the more you're man versus beast, those yucky feelings in the background and that negative energy you're putting out and that karma you're creating, it's going to keep, it's going to snowball. It's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger until you can't ignore it and then that bubble's going to pop and push you in a different direction and you're going to head through a dark night of the soul but what's going to happen is you're going to harm a lot of animals and a lot of lives and you're going to affect a lot of young girls who want to learn and young kids on the way and then you'll have to deal with that later i don't know what that means i'm not i'm i have my own beliefs this is not why we're here today but remember that everything is energy. The emotions, the way you ride, the attachment you have to an outcome. Um, big one in my life lately. I'm going off on a little tangent here. Um, your money. Money is, what is money? It's just printed. And sometimes I don't see the money. It's just a game of numbers showing up in my bank account or getting taken out. At the end of the day, money is energy. And I lately, and this is just opening a discussion, wondering if anyone else out there can relate, have been very sensitive to where money is coming from and where it's going. To a trickle down core, like not just directly, 
But even further than that, so if I'm buying a t-shirt, who made that t-shirt? What company did I buy it from and where was it made? Because that is energy and that's what I'm supporting. So I know a lot of people that on the outside preach and speak and, you know, pseudo act like they're good people with good intentions. And maybe they are, but they didn't think that far behind and made a lot of money not doing things on their own. But <laughs> the reason they made their money was, you know, kids in sweatshops. You know, if you if you have a product that you want to sell, you're not going to, in late stage capitalism, you're not going to make as much making it yourself in your basement. But is it really going to feel good at the end of the day when you actually tune into and wake up and open your eyes to where that energy, where that money came from, if it was made by, you know, kids in sweatshops? And then where's my money going? What companies am I supporting? I don't purchase um, products for my hair or my makeup that were tested on animals because I don't support that. That's harming lives. I don't think we need it because we really don't need makeup. <laughs> we don't need these things. So I, I'm cautious of where my money and energy are going. Um, and when we're done with this discussion, I'm going to bring some awareness to you guys. And maybe you can help too and ha feel good about where your money's going. But I want to, <laughs> so, it's a new year. It's a new leaf. I'm heading in a different direction. Things that I used to see in the background are 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 not in the background anymore. And I, I feel like I, there's a lot of people out there who do care. And now I'm trying to ring the bells and sound the alarms and bring us together and try to make a difference in this world. Because the world is in a state where it's up to us. Everything is getting revealed. All the gross, terrible things that have been happening behind things that seem like they're great and fun. And then you put your money, you put your energy behind. And now you can see where it's actually going. And then you... Oh, I don't, I don't actually support that. Good. Wait, and it's okay. Just like I'm telling you, it's okay to take in new information and change. It's okay to be here and now you're here. I am the same way. My journey with horsemanship has always been that way. How am I training horses? I'm no longer getting on them and just pulling them by the mouth or hitting them with a the crop. But that's how I started. That's what I was taught. I was a sponge. I was programmed. I didn't know any better. I've done my own healing and learning with this industry, and I'm going to help you too. And it's really awesome to see people changing. Over 10 years ago was when I got into, you know, liberty and trick training, and two people out of all the horse people I knew did it. A woman who got me started and I thought she was the coolest. She knows who she is if she's listening. And she could ride her horse without a bridle and her mare could bow and do tricks. And then I taught my horse. And then that was it. Now I go on Instagram and there are so many people out there that are loving, you know, riding without a bridle, using 
side poles instead of bits. Their horses do tricks and they're just loving the idea of being with them and they are not pushing for an outcome. You know, going into the performance industry, not only have I strayed away from it because <clears throat> I'm getting older, my horses are getting older, but it got to the point also where I wasn't vibing with it. I can have a beautiful Liberty session with my horse, record it from cool angles and make an awesome video edit. And a lot more people can see it than when I'm performing in a small tent or theater every day. And it got to the point where I was feeling under the weather. It was a double show day. The horses were kind of crabby. They're feeling under the weather. And there's this attachment to the outcome. It's my job. I have to perform. I signed a contract. I'm not feeling it. My horse isn't feeling it. He's never going to understand that we just have to get through it to get a paycheck. <laughs> he doesn't know what money is. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I got tired of that. I got tired and he got tired and they got tired and they deserve more than that. And horses deserve so much more, but it's that attachment to the outcome. I get it. I'm not pressuring anyone to follow the path that I took. I'm just trying to encourage a discussion with me that will lead to a discussion with yourself. If you catch yourself feeling yucky, like I'm doing this show I don't really feel great about it. I don't like how the horses are treated or I'm doing this competition and my horse gets ulcers on the trailer, but I really want a ribbon. I'll buy you a ribbon. I can order them. I'll buy you a ribbon. <laughs> I want you guys to sit with the feeling afterwards. Does it feel good? Are you feeding the ego? Does it feel good to put another life in a situation does it feel good to overpower them because then you need to realize who's in control here is it your ego or is it like your true heart because once you start learning things and you start following your heart it doesn't become rainbows and butterflies the world becomes darker because you start to see how many people are actually training horses, working in the industry from the ego. Um, and that's hard. And that's going to take you down a path where you're questioning everything. And that's good because we don't change because we just on a great sunny day where everything's nice. You change because you're uncomfortable and being in the dark discomfort is how you only change because you have to not because you want to right like the discomfort that I felt from riding the way I used to was so uncomfortable that it forced me to change and speaking of change I can I can get some help here so I'm not trying to get political at all but I'm gonna, all right? If you're like me, you care about horses, right? Uh, I'm just going to spread some awareness here that um, has been really um, on my heart lately. So I followed um, a nonprofit on Instagram called All Seated in a Barn. 
And it is a nonprofit organization from California that goes to these auctions that are close to the border and takes donations and tries to um, obtain as many horses as they can, especially the ones in need, meaning, you know, their babies or they've had injuries um, and stop them from being shipped for slaughter. Okay. I'm going to, in the show notes, put some links that you guys can check it out, do some of your own research. But I have been so angry lately. I've been angry with people, people that I know, where their money comes from, where they're putting their money, and the things in the world that need help. <laughs> there's so much we could talk about in the world, and there's so much we should. Wars going on. We have this crazy election coming up, but you guys are here because of the horses. My heart, and I'm only one person, my heart and my soul is with every issue out there, but I feel like it's my mission to, you know, it, it, it's always been my mission to speak for the horses and have this path with the horses. So that's where I'm going to focus today. But do not think that I'm ignoring other issues because we're here talking about horses. But horses need our help too. There's a lot of souls in this world who need help. So when I start to see people going on their vacations and, you know, your money's your energy, you can spend it however you want. There's a lot of good people out there that aren't aware of things. And maybe if they were aware, they'd help even a little bit. Like I said, I'm not choosing sides. I'm just trying to help people and help horses and ho people help horses and in turn, horses help us, right? They sure have helped me become a better person. Um, so I, I, I saw the footage of, of animals and especially horses that have worked their whole lives for their humans and then get dumped to an auction for a couple bucks so they can get sold to slaughter. And if you know anything about the slaughterhouses, they're not great. Okay. Um, and my, my heart hurts for horses going to slaughter because, I mean, my heart hurts for any animal going to slaughter. I'm a pescatarian. I was trying to be vegan until my iron deficiency went off. Now I got to eat fish again, but I haven't eaten beef or pork in years and years and years. But I'm not telling you it's wrong to do. I often just have a problem with how it's done because more money, you know, cram animals into smaller containments, give them a shorter lifespan, pump them up with hormones, not caring about their death. You know, I'm not going to get into that right now, but lots of animals raised for human consumption. That's all they're doing. But then you look at horses and they're going through a full lifetime of work. And when you ride, and people ride aggressively. It's pain in the mouth. It's pain on their back. And and especially like think about workhorses plowing the fields for Amish or something like that. They are working their whole lives. And then this is their this is their death. And you know, the US um slaughterhouses are closed but they are horses are still getting shipped to Canada and still getting shipped to Mexico usually at auctions they're not 
you know, it's, it's a yucky kind of environment. You'll see all types of horses, very skinny ones, babies, very injured ones, horses with broken legs that should have been euthanized and put down. But instead, that person wanted a couple bucks and didn't care about the horse's pain and what they were feeling and how they were going to face their ending. And this has to stop. This is not acceptable. And if we, people who don't believe in that, people like-minded like me can do a little bit to help, let's do it. So this nonprofit comes and takes as many as they can. And I, you know, uh, my heart goes out to these people, bless these people, because I don't know if I could be on the front lines watching and seeing these animals and knowing I can only save so many. Um, one of the most honorable things they do, which some people may find it a waste, is they take horses in really bad condition who just, it's obvious they need to be put down and they wouldn't do it without a vet confirming it, but they will take them in outbid and then get them actually humanely euthanized because they deserve it. They deserve it. These colonized countries were all taken on horseback. We wouldn't be having cities and living coast to coast if it wasn't for horses. Let me remind you that that nice lavade the dressage horses do used to be taught as a battle tactic. So if someone was coming at you with a sword, whoop, let's hide the rider and the horse gets stabbed first. That was part of our history and they did it. They did it for us. And this is how we repay them? I don't think so. <laughs> so the horror, the sheer horror, I donated. I kept donating. I kept donating. I asked people to donate. Oh, I, I do have a very awesome client who got off the plane on his vacation, sent me money and said, go donate this, please. And that makes me feel great. But... I do want to address that I'll put up a video of doing tricks and trick riding. I get these likes, I get these shares, I get all the things. I put up some awareness about an issue and nobody wants to look at it. I get a couple people react to it, but we're so comfortable in what we do not know and where we create our bubble but like I said, it's 2024. Look at it. Don't turn away. Look at it. If you are going to be involved in the horse industry, just like where you're putting your energy, where you're putting your money, where does this shirt come from? It doesn't come from Kohl's. I don't know where Kohl's gets their shirt. Maybe I shouldn't say Kohl's. But, you know, Nike, I know that one's confirmed. I'm not just giving to Nike Corporation. I'm giving to Nike so that they can get these shoes made in sweatshops in China. If you're selling a horse at an old age to a horse trader, no, you need to follow that energy. Where is it going? If it's going to this, this needs to stop. Stop. If, if you're a horse enthusiast, if, if you are taking the responsibility and profiting off of these lives and these souls, you need to follow the chain. You need to know where it all goes. Don't turn away. Don't live in your bubble anymore. It's good to have a protection. And I did just have to grapple with that. Like, where do I not just sit 
downstairs and cry all day because I can only do so much. And I wish I could just, I don't even have a horse trailer right now. I sold it and I'm looking for another one, but I, without a trailer and my heart just wants to go down there and pack it with, you know, these poor souls, these poor babies and save them. But I can only do so much. So I donated and I only have so much. But awareness and sharing can help. You know, there's, the, there's, we have to emotionally protect ourselves. So at some point it's good to turn off the news. It's good to stop listening. It's good to not create battles and arguments, but at the same time, we need to know if we're going to participate in the industry, we need to know the full effects of the industry, where things are going, where our energies are, is going, where our money's going, where our horses are going. So check that out. Check out any horse rescue, honestly. We just went through the holiday season. Give a little bit. I realized I want to give more. Of course, I want to make more. I want my own facility. I want a place where my horses can live. I, I've been 10 years on the road with my horses, and we've never had our own place to live. But part of me wanting a place to live is so I can have some extra stalls and take in some rescues. But even in the process, while I'm growing and trying to hopefully get a place to live, I still want to keep helping along the way. And so if it's coffee at home versus Starbucks, I'll do coffee at home and I'll give $5 because money is energy. So then when I was downstairs in this, oh my God, ugly crying fit, as soon as I press that donate button, I felt so much better because money is energy and a little bit of my efforts went to helping. And you don't have to donate if you can't. It's fine. Share. Share awareness. Encourage people to keep their horses. Oh, when you see people on Facebook groups with 25-year-old horses that can't eat hay because they don't have teeth and can't be ridden, but they're trying to sell them, you know, encourage people to put their animals down if they're in really bad shape. Because when you hand that horse off, <clears throat> it might get passed and it's not always traceable. And I've heard some horrible things from some pretty awful to the core people. But they weren't that awful. See, nobody's neither all good nor bad. They were trying to make a living and they didn't look at animals in the same way that I do. So I'm not trying to separate the gap here. And the one thing that I, the other thing that really got to me the other day was learning that Canada has a bill that is getting looked at at the end of this month. This bill has been up for years. I believe I have, I have the bill number right here. Let me pull it up. I'm not a Canadian resident, so I'm going to, I contacted these people from the Canadian Horse Defense Coalition, and they said, this is what you can do. You can write to your an MP, you can sign the petition. Um, even as American citizen, a lot of American horses get shipped to the Canadian, you know, to Canada to go out for slaughter, but I'm not just talking about slaughter. What Canada is doing and the bill that's going to get looked at at the end of this month, again, 
is oh gosh what's the what's the bill hmm. it's so funny i had all these links open and ready to go and i just got so anxious and so worked up with passion um so they have a petition you can sign. They're accepting donations. It's also a nonprofit. You can send an MP a letter if you're a Canadian resident. But I believe it's 355, but let me confirm that and I will have the links. This website is canadianhorsedefensecoalition.org. The other <laughs> which I adore, the other website is horseshit.ca and horseshit.ca has awesome merchandise where all the stuff goes for um all the profits go towards you know the mission to save more horses it says say nay to live horse export but that's what i want to talk to you about is the live horse export so canada is shipping live horses overseas to japan to be slaughtered on site on arrival for sushi. Think about it. Imagine it. Horses are getting shipped live. They are traveling on a plane over, you know, start to finish, 30 hours without food, without water, in inhumane conditions. A lot of them get trampled on the plane to be killed on site upon arrival for sushi. Now, you know, whether you believe in horse slaughter for human consumption is one thing, but the live transport, okay, honestly, just slaughter the horse and send the meat. But these travel conditions in which these horses are going through for something that's just a delicacy, it's not important. It's not a necessity. This is, makes me sick to my stomach. This makes me absolutely sick. So... This live exports here. Let me click on this. Aha, it was 355. Debate on Bill C-355 to continue. It's, this bill has been going through um, the government and been debated for years. It's going to get re-looked at January 31st, okay? So... If this disturbs you as much as it disturbs me and it keeps you up at night thinking no horse, no soul should go through this, I will send a link to those websites. You can write to an MP, especially if you're a Canadian resident. You can sign the petition, you can donate, and you can just do what I'm doing and let other people know. Let other people know because this is... This is some this is new news to me. I've known about the horse slaughter thing for a long time and I have my opinions. Other things we can do about the horse slaughter thing. A lot of people, a lot of horse owners like to get, you know, come back at this like, well, what do we do? This is our solution to our unwanted horses. I get that. I don't think that's fair. This is my opinion. It's okay. You can all have your own. I'm not saying you're wrong. Because when the humans keep effing up, why should the horses pay for it? Why should they suffer? That's just, I'm very, I'm very sensitive to where my intentions are going and whom I'm wishing this harm upon. I wish harm upon no one, no life. Okay. 
maybe we can, you know, I'm, I'm more for let the wild horses live out their days and let's sterilize them if it's really an issue. But, you know, wild horses, they haven't been handled by people. And then if you just look up videos of what an auction facility looks like, yeah, these horses are very scared and very traumatized. Um, dogs. And then, you know, there's overbreeding in the industry. Racehorses, horses are live until they're 30, sometimes 40s, right? What industry are you following that animal all the way through? Okay. Racehorses are often done before reaching 10. My horse was done at three. I He was off the track at three already. A lot of pleasure horses are done at five or six. A lot of them are crippled. You can look up the stats on, on horse slaughter, but most of them are young quarter horses, young thoroughbreds. And then you got, you know, draft horses that work for Amish and whatnot. And so also my heart goes out to them. Horses working so hard in harsh conditions their whole life and then get thrown away. So instead of letting it be allowed to keep tossing horses into the furnace, stuff needs to be looked at obviously from Congress, but then also the industry needs to be shaped. How can we keep horses going in until their teens? How can we get the industry to shift to be more accepting of older horses? How can we get the industry to start horses later in life? How can we see more um, fees and you know, violations to people who throw out and overbreed horses so quickly. Um, it's a little disturbing when you drive past a farm with so many babies, because I just think every little baby horse I see, and it's a pasture of babies, maybe they want to do pleasure, maybe they want to do racetrack, and I, I'm not trying to pinpoint, I'm just thinking on the top of my head, industries where I know that that, that can be a thing. But it doesn't matter what the industry is, every little baby I look at, I think that's a 30-year commitment. How many horse people do you know who are making it a 30-year commitment for themselves? Not many. But there's been a change. The light is coming. Like more people are changing their tune, not attaching so much to the outcome of the industry, not, you know, riding their horse with anger. And it's a personal journey, but now it's also got to be an outward journey, okay? Help ourselves, help our own horses, help our friends, and now we need to help people around us and horses around us so we can actually make a change. We don't deserve horses. We don't deserve animals. We don't. If we can't get it right, we shouldn't have it at all. That is my opinion that I will stick to, and you can disagree with me. But also, if you disagree with things that I say, ask yourself, why? Does it go against your agenda? Were you trying to breed that $100,000 barrel horse, and now my heart and the things, my opinions, you know, go against that? Maybe you can strike rich doing something good i mean I'm, I'm not saying barrel racer nothing like that is bad but maybe it could be with like your one buddy horse that is your best friend and then you can retire him and you can live 
happily together at a barn in a pasture with your riches. Like I'm not against the dream, right? But we need to purify the industry. So I will put those things in the show notes. Um, I even told and spoke with the Canadian Horse Defense Coalition on Instagram. What can I do? I have a podcast. Can I mention you guys? And they were like, yes, please do. So wouldn't it be awesome if the next couple of weeks before January 1st, January 31st, like, you know, the, gosh, I'm not Canadian. Who are the, um, like, kind of like, you know, your congressmen, but for Canada, we're like bombarded last minute by all these people who really, really do care. Because even though it's Canada, most of our American horses are getting shipped into Canada. And then, you know, on the American front, I'll put out some links in the show notes too. There's letters you can write to your congressman, petitions that can be signed so we can stop taking our horses over the border. And then, you know, helping in ways that we can. So going forward in 2024, just a couple announcements. This is the direction I'm heading. <laughs> it's not a pretty one. It's not the dream, you know, but... F the American dream. What is money? Energy. I want my energy to go where it's helped. I, I can't keep scrolling past these poor animals that are just, you know, neglected and abused and sad and then order myself Starbucks for pickup. I can't operate like that anymore. So my horses are staying with me. If you've been following me, you know that I'm no longer traveling with them. Before my fall clinics, uh, you know, Fez has a history of ulcers in his older age. And in the spring, I was using omeprazole before and after we would travel and he did pretty good. He did really good. No, no, no issues. We did summer camp over the summer. It was awesome, but they stayed in one location over the summer. And then I was just packing the trailer for the fall clinic, giving him his omeprazole as a present preventative. And he gas colicked the night before I was supposed to leave. And I called and I canceled my clinic. I said, he's stressed out. I'm not going to do this to him anymore. He spoke. I, lis I listened. I lost a lot of income, but we're going to be fine. It's okay. I feel better that he feels better and I'm making choices that are right for him. You know, once I adapt information, I'm going to adjust my tune. I'm not going to force him to get on the trailer. Everybody was understanding. My friends who are my clients understood, even though they had a whole weekend booked, all the participants understood and really valued that I was putting my horses first. Because again, where would we be without them? Where, what would we be doing without them? So we're chilling. We are still getting ridden, going on little trails. We're going to do camp this year, but I'm now going to travel solo. So if you, if anyone out there is interested in a horsemanship, groundwork, liberty, training the trick riding horse clinic, that's what I'll be doing. Um, really focusing on the research I've done, using the research and not just some theory I pulled out of my ass, excuse my late, pardon my French, um, but using, you know, the peer-reviewed journal research to show you the ethical training that has been developed, 
giving you the stats on how horses think, how horses learn, how you can work through anxiety, um, stuff like that. So I got a couple clinics coming up. And the exciting thing is when I was traveling with my horses in a trailer, the last few years, I was just kind of, you know, working in the Midwest. But now that it's just me, I can go anywhere. So I'm hoping to get to Mexico. I'm going to get to Wisconsin, of course, hoping to get out to Hawaii. So it, you know, some flights are cheaper than gas. I am a flight away. If you're interested in a clinic, send me a email, horsemanshipunlocked at gmail. Send me a DM because the clinics are income producing. The clinics that I do, I will take a portion of that for donations for these for these um, nonprofits. And let me just tell you that, no, I'm not getting paid to say this at all. This is just my heart wanting to spread awareness and help um, until I can maybe open a nonprofit of my own. But that's, that's in the future. I got a book. <laughs> How to... I was starting a nonprofit that doesn't ruin your life. So that'll be next on my reading list. But until then, I just want you guys to spread, to, to know, you know, to be aware, to think, to start asking your questions, questioning yourself, where is your energy going? Um, thank you so much. I don't know if there's anything else to say. I had all my notes that I didn't quite get to all my points because I kind of went in like a intuitionally led um kind of area but there will be more i'm hoping to get back on here a lot more than i have been um i said it before but life be life in and i needed a break and i needed to cry and i needed to rest and i needed to take baths and i needed to learn and now i can <sighs> get back on the air and start some more conversations with you guys um there was one other thing i wanted to add to my notes but i forgot <laughs> because i keep going on and on and on i'm very awkward at goodbyes so maybe i should just end it there oh yes one more thing um if you're interested in a tarot reading i will i would love to give you one um, I'm having fun with it. It's it's fun for me, and I will. I'm not gonna put a price on it, and whatever you are willing to pay for tarot reading, I will either donate it and send you the receipt so you can see where it goes, or you can ask for your tarot reading. Um, I'll confirm, and then you can send me a receipt that you donated and I'll give you a tarot reading. I don't want any of the profits. I just want, I just want to help. I just want people to help. I just want to help. So if you're interested in that for a good cause, for good causes to save horses, let me know. Um, and that would be fun. Even, and I, tarot reading is not going to tell you what to do. Take it with a grain of salt. Um, they don't, they can't tell, tarot readings can't tell you what to do. It can just sometimes confirm the things that you already know in your subconscious. Uh, and it's just fun. So if, if you want to donate and just feel good about it, but if you want to get something out of it, I'm happy to do that. I'm happy to donate my time so you can donate your money. All right. Well, this, this got in a direction where people may or may not like it. 
And I understand that. I know that. Um, but I do truly appreciate you all. I adore everyone. And no matter where you are on your path, um, you know, my patience and my peace and my my blessings are with you. I'm not here to argue. I'm here to help show you things going on that you might not know about that maybe if you're like me, you would care to. So let's keep, let's keep it going. All right. Um, that's all. And I'll talk to you guys next time.